0: The following episode was recorded initially for the one-on-one podcast, but as the theme of our conversation follows very well the topics covered in Food Broken Promises, I decided to publish the episode again so that you don't miss out on this great conversation. So enjoy.
1: It's really about transforming the food system in Europe. And, and if we would be alone in thinking that, then we would say we are delusional and we are destined to, to disappear. But we are not. There is such a huge movement in Europe to claim a transformation of our food system towards more agroecologically conscious principles. It's important to come back to the land because it nurtures us. We need to regain more autonomy and more direct relationship with the soil and with the food that we are putting on the table.
0: This is One on One, a Table for Two production. I am Antoine Abou
1: Corrales, as its name says, it's a national organization that represents the voice of small farmers in their cultural, and in their political, and in their economic and social approaches.
0: Every week, one-on-one dives into the world of food and wine through the eyes and experience of my guests. In each episode, you will discover their journey, what matters to them, the challenge they have faced, and how the world of food and wine is evolving.
1: Small family farming is still feeding the world. So this promise of industry that is feeding the world is just a false promise. But what we see that most of the societies of the world are agrarian societies, which care for themselves and for their communities and respecting nature while they do that so that they have a legacy to, to give to their children.
0: Good afternoon. It's a great pleasure to be back for a new episode of the one-on-one on One podcast. And uh, today we're going to a very special place called Romania. So for this episode, I have the great pleasure, honor and privilege to welcome Attila Boros Miklos, who is the president of Eco Ruralis, which is a national association of, the, of small farmers. But he's going to tell us a lot more about that uh, shortly. Good afternoon, Attila.
1: Hey, good afternoon, and very nice to to be to be here with you and in such an interesting uh, table discussion and setup. So I'm quite excited to 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 yeah to have this discussion with you.
0: Yeah, thank you for accepting the invitation. So today it's it's, it's kind of special. I had one conversation within that 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 subject of uh, small farmers and the importance of protection of the small farmers. Uh, the initial one was with uh, Devlin Kuyek from from grain uh, the organization International organization now Eco Ruralis is based in um in Romania but it's not alone from what I understand can you can you tell us more about what eco Rurales is about and and what it's part of
1: sure sure well um Eco Ruralis... uh Ecoralis's full name is Ecoralis, the National Peasants Association of Romania. So Ecoralis, uh, as its name says, it's a national organization that represents the voice of small farmers in their cultural and in their political and in their in their economic and social uh, approaches. So what that accumulates to is indeed this cultural identity of peasant farmers. Uh, which is a very uh, has a long tradition in Romania. Romania being an agrarian country of, of Eastern Europe. Uh, so we have millions of peasant farmers. But a few of these came together at the beginning in 2009. Uh, they came together to form form this association, Eco Ruralis and our envisionment was that uh, we envision a society that has its own strong cultural roots in peasantry in in in, in peasant farming and that we also foresee in the future uh, peasant farming and agroecology as the main predominant form of producing food and living our lives in Romania as farmers. Uh, there's a lot of thought behind these words, and I can explain them later in our interview. But just to say that is really started out very small. We started out with five very, five very influential farmers from Romania, which are uh, were from more or less the same region of Transylvania. And they were sitting together at the table, just like we are now, and, and they were saying what... There's a lot of policy discussion around us, and that moment was really a crucial year for Romania when it comes to the European um, Common Agricultural Policy and its reform uh, that was happening right then. And then we said, but nobody's representing our our voice, so what's going on? We will be neglected, we're dying out. So then they decided to to create this association, uh, so that we are not passing to the next reform of the cap, which was coming seven years after, in the same bad uh, uh, instance. So then we started the Coruralis, and since then it has grown to now hold more than 20,000 members from all over Romania. These are all small scale farmers that practice agroecology, traditional peasant farming, and all kinds of regenerative forms of farming. And they are all very embedded in their societies, providing food for their uh, communities. And together, we are also politically advocating for our rights to exist, to prosper, to be on a viable market. Also, so that's in another corollary.
0: Yeah, what I was wondering is is how how big of a pressure is it from the big agro businesses, the big agro food businesses, coming and trying to replace uh, the the small communities and and the peasant basically they're saying okay we're bigger we can do more production we're more efficient etc etc how how strong is that pressure so
1: let me answer this question like that 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 romania had two great uh, periods uh when it comes to the farming and agrarian systems of romania and one was this socialist period, to not go more in history. And Mm -hmm. during this socialist period, there was a planned economy. So farming was part of this planned economy. And the planned economy for agriculture was something based very much on industrialization. Uh, And all the small farmers were uh, their lands were taken away and they were yes. forcingly in big cooperative farms. It was a Soviet model that was yes. took. Um, so that was one very large degradation of the agrarian society. But uh, answering to your question, after the fall of communism in Romania and starting from the 90s until our present day, Romania as a market economy, um, also that market economy started to affect uh, a lot Farmers, and because a lot of investments came into Romania, big investors from all over the world, also from mm-hmm. Romania, the larger oligarchy, they started to see land as an asset, as an asset mm-hmm. that they buy up in bulk and 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 they create monocultures on it and 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 put industrialization on it. Then they can they can be a superpower on the global market, and that yes. is the trend of agro industry, and that is something that in Romania started to develop very heavily because we have. Uh, almost 14 million hectares of farmland in Romania. So, if we look right now to this map of farmland, more than half of it is already in the hands of agro industry. So, that's more than 7 million hectares of land is already being worked as an industrial asset and in a very industrial way with large tractors big monocultures large surfaces of concentrated Mm -hmm. land Uh, it's it's what we we would see in brazil for instance as another Mm -hmm. example Uh, but the other half of it is still in the hands of the small farmers this is what is bringing the pittoresque landscape of Romania that is so famous. That is where you see the diversity. That is where you see the little strips of crops. That is where you see animals roaming, uh, cows on the pastures. Mm -hmm. And that is where you see resilient communities that have been practicing traditional peasant farming since millennia. So uh, that's when you see that somehow these two are in clash. There are many Mm Parts of Romania where you see both small-scale peasant farming and large-scale, but most and most now what you see that where large-scale industry pops up, slowly small small farmers disappear, either because the large industry is buying up their land, either because their village becomes bottlenecked in an ocean of industry. So they become migrants, economic migrants. They go to France, they go to Germany, Italy. They stop farming and start to become wage laborers in another dependent system of the world. So uh, it, it, it's a large effect that uh, industry has over us uh, because uh, it it really pushes also the policies. So the policies that come on a governmental level, they very much enable agro-industry. It's the trend in Europe. And yes. unfortunately it's still the trend to not look beyond the destruction of agro-industry and what's going on over the world because of climate change, because of all the, the chemical fertilizers and all the big monocultures and loss of biodiversity. And Romania still has a great pool of peasants, millions, almost 4 million peasant farmers that are small scale farmers that are the bedrock of agroecology. This is this transformational concept that that peasant farmers are the foundation of. So Romania could build, can build on this legacy of peasantry, but unfortunately, now, right now, we are stuck into this agro industrial model. And somehow peasant farming is uh, self autonomous, resilient, but in the gray area of of our society which is yeah. uh, which is having its own system its own food system and hopefully it will have a better future yeah
0: because you're not alone you're you're part of an international movement and this the, the issues that you have against big agrofood uh, industrial complexes etc you're you're not alone you're not the Indeed. only country and there are there's a there's a global movement for that
1: uh, eco uh, uh from its beginning has been looking to be part and to to navigate together with other small farmers of the world, our issues, but also to raise our voices together, to be much stronger Mm -hmm. together, to cooperate um, and to show to each other solidarity. And uh, we found, very shortly after our our funding on our organization, we found uh, the global movement of peasant farmers, uh, which is La Via Campesina, the global movement of peasants, where we felt that we can belong. So we applied, of course, and we became members of the European Mm -hmm. coordination of La Via Campesina. And since then, we are members. And it's very interesting. It's sometimes challenging, especially now, but we can talk about that later. But it's interesting because... How heterogeneous, how diverse is the global movement? Everybody finds its place inside. And we have common issues like agro-industry. And Mm -hmm. we are fighting against those issues together. And we are struggling together. But we also have our typical cultures in each of these countries of La Via Campesina. Mm -hmm. And just to finish with that, La Via Campesina is really the the world's largest global movement it has uh, it has uh, uh, tens of millions of of, of of family farms that came together peasant farms uh, to to struggle for the same thing food sovereignty that is the mantra let's say of lavia mm-hmm. campesina and that is what we want in romania
0: yeah but there's there's if I want to play a bit the devil's out, okay. Why is it important to to keep your tra- agrarian pr- uh, tradition? Why why is it that important? Because you know the promise of big ag it is is actually to bring you food at cheaper prices, be able to to feed you properly and those kind of things. Uh, so why is it so important to to protect that that uh, yeah. that way of life? Well, you are it... a, a peasant as well. So let let me just before we go into this, uh, farmer. Peasant, uh, agricultural worker. What is the what is the difference between the the the, the three the, the three terms?
1: <laughs> yeah, indeed, that's a good question. Well, first of all, um, indeed, I did not uh, uh, give my also personal uh, illustration. I'm a...
0: We'll talk about it. Don't worry. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> but okay, just to answer then this question, maybe better. What is the difference between a peasant, a farmer, and a and an agricultural worker? Uh, Well, first of all, a peasant uh, in Romania, for instance, you would translate the word peasant as Ceran. And Ceran comes from the word Tsarina. Tsarina is the old Romanian name for land. So it's basically people of the land, but it's more people of the territory. So it's really about how us as people, as 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 uh, as inhabitants of the rural countryside and of nature, we are part of nature. We are part of our landscapes that we are stewarding together with nature and for nature and for our benefit also as as farmers to put food on the table. So we have been doing this in in this sort of symbiosis with with nature since since a long time, and we mm-hmm. have been providing for communities and even now not just that our practice shows, but studies show that small family farming is still feeding the world. So this false promise of industry that is feeding the world is just a false promise. It's basically a business and it's marketing. But what we see that most of the societies of the world are agrarian societies, many of them peasant farmers and pastoralists, which care for themselves and for their communities, and respecting nature while they do that, so that they have a legacy to to give to their mm-hmm. children. So I think that is the primordial importance of what is a peasant farmer, is this really strong connection with your culture, with your land, uh, and with your territory. And then what is a farmer? A farmer, it's no, as, as the term says, it's somebody who is harvesting the goods of the land and is pro- producing from the goods of the, uh, from the land. But that's a very abstract notion, and farming, it's, it's always about somehow exploiting the land. So okay it can it can it can you can harvest from it but the sustainability issue of it it's, it's not really treated in the world and of course now we have sustainable farmers and different mm-hmm. approaches towards farming but it's very sectorial so what are you you're a cattle farmer you're a vegetable farmer you're a fruit farmer you're a, a whatever a different kind of sectorial wine farmer mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and but but then but then most of them are actually many of those a farm is not always. It's, only big farms are segregated. Small farms are always very diverse, very resilient. Yes. Using the manure from the cow to feed your wine, so basically it's it's very um, it's a very holistic system. So that's why we always refer to ourselves as peasants because it's much more reflecting our reality of how we work okay. around, of how we okay. connect with culture. Okay, and, okay. and then of course farm workers or agricultural workers are those people who out of economic reasons, out of employment reasons, out of many reasons, they need to work the land. But uh, many of them, unfortunately, are not their own, let's say, stewards and guardians of land. So they are okay. working at a bigger farm. Many of them are in very precarious conditions. They're very huge problems. And it's I would put it much more in a very dependent way of industrial farming. Many farm okay. workers and laborers are living in these very horrible conditions coming from many migratory people that get stuck up into a, into a very predatory system. Unfortunately, it could be that farm workers to to be really taking grip of the, the, the farm, but we see some of these experiences where cooperatives, uh, uh, farm workers cooperatives being formulated, uh, unions so that they can live for their rights but but uh it's much more uh let's say not so well known and not so well spread yeah so that's a bit okay. about the
0: <laughs> the differences yeah. so now why is it important and and let's talk about your own case you you are a peasant uh you are in symbiosis you are the steward of the land around you why is it so important to keep that tradition because you you know uh why, why don't you get a job in a city basically <laughs> well <laughs> because uh, this is what they they they're, they're selling at the end of the day the economic yeah. system today is is we'll take care of the food come and work in our companies so you get a wage to buy food that you could have grown yourself but okay that's another
1: issue. <laughs> Yeah. well you, so you, so
0: why why doing this
1: you 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 said it already a little bit about why to disrupt this kind of cycle uh, that is i've considered very disruptive destructive cycle uh, but uh why am i doing it is because i inherited this uh, this uh, in in my family my family uh, historically is a, is a peasant uh, family uh, both of my my parents come descend and many millions of romanians descend from peasant families that were working the land uh, mm-hmm. all of us since childhood had a big contact with land either to help out on grand grandmothers and grandfathers farms or uh, family farms when I went to university, um, I had two options to become a bank—no, free. My mother wanted to see me a banker. My grandmother wanted to see me a priest, and I wanted to see myself <laughs> working the land. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so so I, I really strongly reconnected with the ambitions of my grandfather to sustain a family farm. So I started to to do that, but to, together with my wife, we have bought another farm from a very beautiful region of Romania where, where we wanted to set up from the scratch agroecology, uh, this kind of regenerative farming that is rooted in environmentally su- sustainable practices, yeah. but also to connect back with, with with the culture here that we are living in right now, which is a strong peasant culture. And I'm okay. a food farmer. I've, I farm plums. Well, I, I grow plums. I grow, I have a small vineyard I grow plums and I grow other fruits uh, and vegetables and soon we will have animals and we are completing this kind of whole circle of manure, as we like to say it, yes. of, of which we very much depend. Uh, so I love it. It's a, it's a passion of mine to to take care of the land. But I my political motivations are a bit different. I became a farmer myself after I arrived to ecoruralis so first of all i was an activist sort of saying for the farming uh and for the peasant community standing up for their rights and supporting them i was uh, that's how i came to ecoruralis i was very much saying no to genetically modified organisms and their spread mm-hmm. in in romania and that was very important for me and then i quickly switched towards the solutions which are in, in agroecology. So uh, I saw the good practices while I was working with people, with peasant farmers. So I mm-hmm. said, well, practice what you preach. If you want to, we yeah, want to. If helps. we want to, we were going to the government and we are we are shouting and we were debating and we were claiming all kinds of policies for farmers. And I felt I'm not entitled to to claim them myself as a person if I'm not that myself. So that was the ultimate reason why we started farming because of this strong political conviction that small farming is profitable, it's beautiful, it can support our livelihood and it can put good food on the table, uh, and that is produced by us.
0: Yeah. Between the moment between what you saw and how the people were living, and and you know the fight that you wanted to be part of and to support uh, politically, and then afterwards uh, as a peasant yourself, between what you saw of it and being in it, that there's always a difference. It uh, is. You, you see them their lives. Okay. What, what was the biggest difficulty, and 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 were you surprised by the change? In, in a sense, good or bad, I don't know. It's just like, okay, I've been outside. I'm gonna go in now. I'm gonna be, you know, full into it. Yeah. Uh, damn, I didn't realize it was like that. Yeah, <laughs> something did. like that.
1: Well, the first shock was when
0: when we paid the
1: high price for the land. Uh, if we would if would have started farming ten years before we were started farming, um, then the, the land, the price of the land was much cheaper. So that it was, I was always pre- preaching about how land is becoming expensive and and scarce, Mm -hmm. and how agro industry is buying up land, only then to realize when I want my piece of land uh, to take care, how much of a financial, uh, let's say value that asset has. And for me, it was much more than an asset, it was just like a natural resource. And part of this territory is beautiful, It, it almost doesn't have a price, but it did and it was high. Uh, so but the first shock was that indeed, if you want to be a farmer, and that is the shock of every, the realization of every young new entrant into farming, is that the the land is is, is, is has a price. We say it's priceless. It is, but it, it has a strong price. So yes. that was one of the aspects. Then, of course, um, we were mentioning changing your life from the more scheduled one. To really being a farmer is is you depend on the season, you depend on the water, you depend on the manure, you depend on the on 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 the growing season. Yes, mm-hmm. so the, how do the plants grow? What kind of problems do you face on the farm? And you depend on your neighbors because they are farmers themselves. And we are very much changing, uh, like mm-hmm. formal changes and and manure for what and and for hay and so on and the haymaking season and everything. So that was a big thing for a scheduled guy like me which i which wanted to work this 9 to 9 to 5 uh and and now i find myself think again <laughs> yes and now i find myself that that it while it is a pleasure it is great it is it is um absolutely amazing to go out and to prune trees and to smell the bark and to and to to smell the hay and to work the land and to to see that you're creating something and you're nurturing something with your hands. it's very satisfying. And of course, the look into my son's eyes when we put food on table and uh, and how is that is different from the food that he goes to buy. we he goes to eat uh, sometimes as a snack from the from the mall. <laughs> and we are already having these conversations about this. But this fragmentation of time is very difficult, especially for someone who's a farmer and an activist, who's a peasant farmer and an activist, mm-hmm. and trying to work to create a new system together with other farmers, but also to do their farm. And that's the big challenge, time. That was big, like, whoa, I don't have enough time in 24 hours. I need more. I need more, and we need to sleep. So then, of course, that is that is a big challenge, and it remains. But farming is not done alone. Farming is done in communities and in, in yes. clear in the nuclear community of Romania, which is the family, uh, it's very, it's very uh, important how we support each other. My wife is a stronger and bigger and much more appreciated farmer than me, and maybe politics is my. My better side for now, um, but my wife she's a great farmer, and I I would not do anything with without her together with the, if it not, wasn't for her. So definitely, it's not a one man job, yeah. not a one human yeah. job.
0: <laughs> what do you see as the biggest challenge for the coming years? One for rallies and the fight for for to 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 fight to defend the the, the 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 peasant and the small farmer movement, and one in your own farming life.
1: Well. I think in, uh, in Eco Ruralis, one of the strong challenges that we face is that we are being said that we are destined to disappear as peasant farmers. So the European Union kind of recognizes the centrality of family farms, but not of the small farms, although they are predominant in Europe. So the, how that translates to Eco Realis is that for us, we are somehow fighting against the wave and we are seen as, 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 as a dying out breed. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it's not just about and, and for us the biggest challenge that is really not just about survival it's really about first of all the right to practice a model of farming that is so culturally appropriate that is so satisfying for the communities for the food that that it generates and for the environmental benefits that it creates and the policy environment that is so much counter counter like countering us so how do you how do we do that so there. are great steps to be made together with, with policymakers and so on, which is a democratic process, no, in order to make it better somehow. And that is a big challenge. And it, I know it's a big thing. It's really about transforming the food system in Europe. And and if we would be alone in thinking that, then we would say we are delusional and we are destined to to mm-hmm. disappear. But we are not. There is such a huge movement in Europe mm-hmm. to claim a transformation of our food system towards more agroecologically conscious principles, and that is not just a soundbite for for many people. Is the desire, so it's a challenge, but we are up for it. And then for 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 us personally, as on our farm, <laughs> you know the, the 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 village where we moved has uh, eighty families, uh, eighty families currently living in this small village, which doesn't have a ta- doesn't have a, a, a market, which is an informal market between us neighbors. Doesn't have the pub. There's no pub. Yeah, that, that's that. Yeah, yeah it doesn't have a the problem. pub, which is the social thing where you gather. <laughs> yes, and you it is. So it doesn't have. The, so it's a, it, it is a very dormant village. It's, a, it's 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 many people say why do you move? There? It's a, it's a dying out village. So how we moved here, we isolated ourselves a bit, sort of speaking. But we don't consider it like that. But the big challenge for us as a farm is to get neighbors. That's the big challenge, because because we need fellow farmers. We need young farmers that will come near us, because we feel alone we feel a little bit discouraged uh, in the long term to grow our son here uh, because uh, there's so little social, um, rural social, uh, Mm -hmm. let's say interaction. Uh, so it's not much about the production and the farm; it's much, much about the rural living uh, that we are experiencing, and how it will be in the long term, especially for the yo- youngest of generations from here. Yes. So that is the big challenge. Yeah.
0: So that they stay as well. So, so that they stay are enticed they- to exactly. stay because they have exactly. everything they need there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the, the community aspect, as you were saying, is is extremely important, and and there's there's a there's a topic that is that I know is very close to your heart to show. The strong community of farmers and and, and peasants uh, across the world, and especially in times of crisis, and uh, Eco Ruralis has been extremely active to support uh, their uh, Ukrainian counterparts to be able to continue farming uh, in times of war. Uh, can you tell us more about about what you're doing there and and how how it, how complicated it is and and what kind of impact you hope to make?
1: Yes, indeed uh, the. As I said, it that we are living in a very um, uh, crisis um, Europe in, and 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 Romania and and us as communities are are living through crisis and then as farmers we were always discussing even here with fellow farmers and in eco ruralis about the climate crisis and we were discussing about the covid post covid pandemic and what happened and how that changed markets and, and rules and and so on and and when we this when well, we almost stopped discussing about those things. Then the first uh, tank entered into Ukraine uh, and the first uh, farms were mined in Ukraine uh, and the farmers were killed in Ukraine and their, their, the animal sheds were bombed. And we suddenly woke up in a new world in February where our 24. neighbors and our fellow farmers have been fighting for their existence. And they're fighting for their lands, literally fighting for their lands. And it's something that it was such an such a, an abstract thinking before mm-hmm. that day in February that Europe did not and us we did not experience. We just heard about it. So um, Eco Ruralis has been keeping in touch uh, and good uh, collaboration already with small farmers associations from 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 Ukraine. And it was a sudden move of of even. Uh, how should I say, instinctual solidarity to mm-hmm. reach out to them and say, we are here. What do you need? We are here. We see your aggression. We hear everything that's happening. Tell us more. Discharge your your souls. Say, say what's going on. What do you need? Uh, and we will help. And it's, yeah it 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 was so natural to do that because we as farmers always were interdependent uh face to when it was communism and everybody was uh, all the, the 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 regime was grabbing our lands and we were fighting for our livelihood and peasants were always solidary and resisting so it was just natural to see the same aggression happening right now again and just to reach out to them and um uh how that concreted of course the first uh, big actions were around the refugee relief because there were like hundreds and of thousands of refugees coming in. And, and just imagine uh, wives and children of these farmers that were just desperate to get out, especially from the firstly occupied areas and, and, and have been slaughtered while they were on their move. Uh, so yes. by the time they were reaching Romania, we were quite... Uh, happy to see that our members, naturally our members of Eco Ruralis as a small farmers, naturally activated, went to the borders and offered this relief and this support to 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 take these these uh, these people in and to give them food and and so on. And that was the first uh, the first reaction that we had. And then of course the uh, the the second reaction was to see what we can do for to support farmers to produce food, uh, in Ukraine. Uh, in these times of war. And uh, that is a logistical question about uh, mm-hmm. how to provide with them the main materials for providing food at this moment. They, had, they were needed adapted tools, tools that are much yes. smaller, tools that are much more agroecological, should I say, much yes. more silent, to which they can work their land. They needed seeds. They needed the, hard, the the seeding season was coming. So then we started to work with them to provide uh, tons of potato seeds and other seeds and vegetable varieties and grains and whatever they needed because it was something that they lacked. And we were hearing a lot of stories like how farmers... They left their tractors behind because tractors were main our main uh targets also for Russian tanks. They started to harvest by but to, to sow by hand, to, 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 to keep the cops by hand. So obviously they needed adapted tools and so on. So we were co- we were collaborating a lot on that. And then the third. Very important collaboration is this political solidarity. And when I mean political is not about what kind of sound bites do political parties talk about <laughs> right now in Ukraine. It's it's about supporting the voice of peasants, farmers in this in these times. Uh we co-organized several conferences, several meetings, high-level meetings, together with with, with peasant farmers from uh, Ukraine to visualise their struggle. Peasant farmers from Ukraine are accepted, accepted to do now military service because they are seen as, as uh, basic food providers, like important mm-hmm. segment of society. Many of them choose nonetheless to be soldiers because it yes. was something that it was needed. Who are working right now, the land, is the older generation of farmers and the women and children of Ukraine. And that okay. is very important, and they need a lot of solidarity and help, and and um, so that that's what we started to also engage in with from any kind of materials I need, from water sanitation devices to um, to even like uh, adapted clothing uh, for the cold season and so on. So this is a lot of work that we are currently going and doing. We are doing it because we suffered the same. In in uh, from 1960 to 1990, Romania suffered the same, and all Eastern Europeans know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We have been suffering the same atrocities, not to the same level probably, and not to the same uh, extremeness as what's happening yes. right now. But we know what is suffering, and it's our duty to help each other. And that is something that, as further you go in Europe, it seems to be less obvious, and it's it's understandable, but but it needs to be more said. So that's that's a little bit of what analysis is doing currently with uh, the, uh, the to support uh, small farmers, peasants in Ukraine.
0: Yeah, we can only wish you a lot of success in that support, which Thank is uh, dear, dearly, dearly needed. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the conversation, but before before that, I have just one question. Then we'll go to the people questionnaire. Um, if you were to say in a few words, why it is so important to come back to the land? Why it is so important to embrace the peasant lifestyle? What what would it be? Okay, I know it sounds a bit like a soundbite stuff, but uh, <laughs> j- just to just just to kind of a summary of what we spoke about because it's absolutely fascinating. But what is the main thing that why people should care about that and they should go back to the land in one way, shape, or form?
1: Yes, well, it's important to come back to the land because it nurtures us and through land we nurture ourselves we we need to regain more autonomy and more direct relationship with the soil and with the food that we are putting on the table and it's in our society this relationship is so disrupted and it's so the chain is so long that we become especially i see the younger tiktok generation completely disconnected from land and even if they have one day to go to a farm and just to touch the soil it's a tremendous action towards their their the health of their 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 spirit and the health of their lives in general. So that is why, and then why we should farmland is because we need more farmers in the world, not less. We see what less farmers did to this world, mm-hmm. and we need to re turn the tide. And Europe needs more farmers. Romania needs more farmers. Peasant farmers are all dying out, and it's not just out of responsibility; it's out of this beauty. Of farming, uh, we need to reconnect ourselves with land, and it can be done in so many ways. There are so many models, and there we are so many to host and experience together with young and ent- new entrants. So it's something that to be tried, uh, and I'm sure it's a it's a virus that catches a good one that catches people. <laughs> yes. yes,
0: yes, definitely. As I said, this is this is wonderful what you're what you're working towards and what you're working on is absolutely. Not only so important, but it's, uh, I think, the essence of, of who we are eventually. Uh, uh, we're not made of concrete and, no. and, and, and and steel and stuff like that. <laughs> um, on a lighter note, uh, so we're finishing with the, the PIVO questionnaire. So it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, are you ready? I think I am. <laughs> oh, no, yeah? So what is your favorite word? My favorite word
1: is diversity. What's your least favorite word? Monoculture. <laughs>
0: Monoculture, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. It's like a, your favorite virtue. Solidarity. Your favorite quality in a man.
1: My favorite quality is a man is to be to to be able to show um how you say feelings. It's <laughs> okay. Okay,
0: fair enough. Yes, yes, yes. Favorite quality in a woman.
1: If 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 she can if she can uh handle a spade well <laughs>
0: A spade, a spade, like like, like a spade, yes.
1: which you will you you cut the land, you you till the land.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so for this one, what ingredient or dish, uh, or even wine, uh, would you use to describe yourself? I would
1: say plum dumplings, because. Well, I'm a plum farmer. Yeah, yeah. So then, of course, plums are my one of my favorite dishes. I like plums in everything. I like plums from pasta to chocolate. Uh, <laughs> I really love plums. And that's also a motive to become a farmer. But uh, the dumplings are very traditional and cultural, and and something that I had since I was one year old.
0: <laughs> okay just as an aside how do you how do you make them well you
1: you take uh, you make a dough and then you you sort of put the, the half plum in a in a raw dough and you yes it's like um uh, yeah like it's almost like a chinese little thing uh, but so oh, okay, okay you close the dough and then you boil it in water uh, the plum Ooh. is inside and then you put some cinnamon on it and so on and then oh. a little bit of uh, breadcrumbs it's oh amazing.
0: yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can understand why you like that. Um, <laughs> what aroma or smell do you love?
1: Yeah, I was mentioning this. I think very interestingly, uh, it's a tree bark. <laughs> I love the smell mm. of tree bark. Mm. Especially, my favorite scent of a bark is of a of a of a pine tree. Uh, it's something that is close because I was I grew up in the mountains, and uh, it's just it, it brings me home all the time. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, in any language, what's your favorite curse word?
1: <laughs> I, I I don't know how to, how to
0: just say it if it's Romanian, just say it in Romanian and try to translate uh, it if you can. But they're
1: really, they are really ugly.
0: Um it's okay. Okay, so say okay. it without I translation. can say
1: one. I mean, I'm sorry, you can cut it out if you want. My but I won't. my favorite, my favorite word uh is pula. <laughs> and it means literally dick. Uh and why do oh, I okay. say that? I'm sorry, why do I say that? Is because uh, Romanians have a very interesting way of putting that word, in, curse word, one, into abnormally long constructions. And it gets so funny. <laughs> so you can do a lot of word constructions with that, which are very pejorative, of course, but the majority, maybe you can cut it out if you want. I don't know. But that, okay. no, that is a word that is, um, yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. It's it's It's, it's so...
0: We're learning every day. I've heard so many things, even in Hungarian. So don't worry; just like it's, it's fine. There's no, there's no, there's no cutting. Okay. Uh, what sound? What sound or noise do you love?
1: Uh, wow, that's uh, very interesting. I like my favorite sound uh, that I like is when um, there's a spot right behind uh, our farm. It's a pasture. It's uh, and I, it's a hay meadow actually. And there, there are these days when there's a little rock in the middle of the hay, hay meadow and then I st- sit there and you can hear the tall grass in the wind. like Yes. And oh. it's not just one sound because that, that grass is full of uh, nests and birds. Yes. So when the wind blows, then suddenly the, the, the birds instinctively fly out and you hear from the distance and from the inside, from more closer and so on. This, And then the little chirps uh it's it's a uh, I even recorded it it's so that's I super even recorded zen it and many times when I'm on, on a travel especially when I'm a plane uh then I put this recording on repeat and I just hear that and I just close my eyes and and I can really feel myself there at home so wow. yeah that is the favorite sound
0: that, that's beautiful <laughs> uh what sound or noise do you hate
1: <laughs> the the noise of that I hate the most it comes from a mine, which is a TNT explosion. Boom! <laughs> Just uh, yeah. it's it's and then the rock that is uh and and it, it, I I had this because I was uh, also a long time uh, activist uh, in an anti-mining campaign, uh, one of the biggest yes. Uh And when we were building up this campaign and so on, of course, you see a lot of movies about. So I was always afraid of what might happen. We stopped it. It didn't happen yet. But uh, I'm 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 disturbed by that noise.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I can imagine. Um, what plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in? <laughs>
1: um, my wife said that if I'm reincarnated, uh, I will be a donkey. Uh, and at, at the first, I I hated that analogy, but now we want to buy a donkey. So and I was looking into donkeys, and and my friends have donkeys. And it's quite a nice animal. So why not? It's a, a great animal. It's a great animal. It's sturdy, yes. It's yes. but it's also yes. very docile and calm, and yes. So, yes. A donkey,
0: <laughs> and and faithful in everything. And yes. faithful, yes. <laughs> yeah. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: <laughs> I told you I exist. <laughs> 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 I I'm uh, I'm a uh, I'm an agnostic uh, at least, yeah. uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> And uh, probably if I there's this such a thing as heaven, and I would step into it, and Saint Peter or somebody else would come to me and say, "Like you're such a you're such a loser, man. We've been here all along. <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe it." So probably God would say, "I told you so."
0: Attila Such Borus Miklos, thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. It was a pleasure.